today I have uh, the wonderful pleasure of introducing to you a dear friend of mine who will be sharing uh, today's message. Severin Loali has been a dear friend of mine since I was a student at the University of Nairobi. At that time, he was already serving in the Assemblies of God U.S. ministry student, student university students ministry called Chi Alpha. And every so often, he would come with a group of students from his university and he would partner with the Jani University Ministry. And year in, year out, we would have such partnerships and we would connect with Sevo. Uh, he is one of the people who has greatly inspired my ministry journey. Sevo, as we love to call him, has a very genuine and wise heart. He loves greatly. He leads profoundly well. He has a deep and genuine love for God and lives it out so practically, so practically. So to be in the presence of Sevo is to be really inspired, to lead like him, to follow Christ like him. Um, and he has modeled so well how to love your family well and parent well, even as you serve in ministry. He's, a, he's generous and has a way of being your cheerleader in the exact way that you really, really need it. Even moments ago, he just looks at me, yeah, and encourages me, tells me, Butcher, you're a very good pastor. <laughs> I needed to hear that, right? Um, so it's really good to have a friend like Sevo. That's all I'm saying. It's really good to have a friend like Sevo. Uh, Sevo is Kenyan from the land of Butula. He lives in the U.S. He's married to Christina, and together they have four wonderful children, and he will share more about them. Uh, the children are Amani, Imani, Imani, <laughs> Joshua, Sevo Jr. He had to put in that, <laughs> and Asali. So today he shares with us, um, uh, he, he, he comes to bring the word, um, he is spending some time in the country and he just said, I would love to come and share when I'm around and it's such an honor, and it's such an honor. Um, he'll be sharing with us how family is a place um, of hope and goodness and, and, and a place that God invites us to lean into. And, and, and respond fully uh, to his presence in the families we've been given. So it's an honor to have you here today, Sebo. Thank you for agreeing to share. Karibu sana. Give him a round of applause as he comes. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor Bucho. And it is true, you guys are blessed with a wonderful pastor, aren't you? And uh, so I just, you know, I, I, uh, I find that in ministry, Ministry is a very lonely place, and uh, either you're doing well or you're not doing so well, but you always have your critics, and, um, and no, not many times do you have people who are there to encourage you and tell you how well you're doing. Uh, you preach a sermon and you hope somebody tells you that was good, and when you don't get that, you, you, you need to make decisions about what to do about whether you got compliments or not. Thankfully, your pastor worships Jesus, loves him, and his heart is to serve you. And so I just want to take a moment here and just let us show our appreciation of your pastor by just giving him a clap. You're, thank you so much for who you are. And he said, he said it's been his honor to, to spend time with, with myself and my wife, but I think it's more the blessing has been my wife and, and, and mine and, and ours, my family. 
and my family will be here for the next service. I am from, from Kenya. I lived in the U.S. for 27 years, so so much has changed. Um, for me, every time I come back to Kenya, the cityscape has changed differently. Now there's an expressway. There's so many things. Kenya is like, Nairobi is, is just changing so fast. But it's such a joy to be back home and to be able to share the word of God with you. And so uh, um, allow me to pray with you as I start. Okay? Lord Jesus, today, what is the most important thing is you. You are the most important one. And thank you that we just don't come to church to hear the word of God preached by somebody, but we come to meet with you. And your interest isn't so much, it isn't so much in everything that's shared, but in us whom you love so much and how your word intersects and interacts with our lives, knowing everything about us and knowing everything that concerns us and you're able to speak to us. So today, I present to you your family, your children, O oh God, and I ask through your Holy Spirit that you would do exactly as you desired. And may I facilitate that which heaven wants concerning the lives and the families in this room and for Journey ICC. And to that end, may your name continue to be hallowed, our Father who is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, like I said, I was, I was born here, in, in, I was born in Nairobi. My parents live in Butula. I think I have a picture of my parents. That's my mom and my dad. Today, I, I was invited into the space of leaning into family. You guys have been talking about family, and so I, I thought I'd start with talking about my family. In the U.S., many times I ask people about their family. They normally say, yeah, I'm, I'm in my family. And I said, what about your parents? And they say, why are you so interested in my parents? And I normally say, you're part of our family, right? They're like, yes, but we don't normally talk about our parents. And, and I tell them in Kenya, we talk about our whole family. Family doesn't just mean nuclear only, but it tends to mean extended. But I just needed to introduce you to my, my mom and dad. Um, they were both really into education. My dad was in intelligence. They were diplomats for a while. My mom has always been a teacher, continues to teach daily. And they're in their 80s, and they're wonderful people. I am going to be talking about parenting some within the, in the family space. So I wanted to tell you the year 1989, I believe, or was it 80, 80, 89, I think it was. You remember President Moy, you know, President Moy used to have these things where he would say, this is the year of blah, 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 at the beginning of every year. And so I think it was either 89 or 87. It was the year of discipline. That was my first introduction to the word discipline. And at that point, my mom was in Nairobi. My dad was living in Nyeri. And so myself and three others of us went to Nyeri to be with my dad. And my dad being alone, solo, as the solo parent, and my mom being in Nairobi, still teaching with the others, uh, my dad latched on to what President Moy said, this is the year of discipline. So I didn't have a dictionary which I could open and find out what discipline is. I didn't know what was coming my way that whole year. So the year of discipline to my dad meant serious discipline. And every night, he would ask the questions about who did what, who broke what, and everything else like that. Now, I was, I was about 12. Okay, so when you're 12, this, you're not really thinking through, thinking through what you do. So we break so many things, we do so many things, and, and my dad, being an intelligence guy, would interrogate us. That was the way my dad did family. I was, I was, uh, I was guilty until I was proven innocent, every time. 
How many of you have had parents like that? You grow up that way. I think that's the way it was for me in primary school. You're guilty until you're proven innocent. And so, so the questions that were asked, everything that was done, and every night, whether it was me or my brothers or my sister did something, I was always getting spanked every night. So it was just the regular way of every day. And you would think that I would learn the next day not to do something that my dad told us not to do, but that was... So 1987 left a huge mark on my, on my bottom, and it made a huge mark in my heart too, okay? So, but my parents did that out of love, and somehow it worked out. Okay, so fast forward, I, I moved to the United States, and I'm married to, the next slide, I'm married to Christina, and Christina didn't grow up in a family like mine. Christina grew up with, 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 uh, with she had, there were three in their family, I, I was number eight out of 11, and she was number two out of three, and she hated being the middle child. And her parents, they didn't, they didn't spank her like my dad. She doesn't understand the year of discipline. When I try to explain that to her, it's like, oh, man, your dad is mean. I'm like, wow, okay. Like, and your dad's a pushover. He just let you do whatever you wanted to do. And so we have conflicting views of parenting and even the description of, of, of what love looks like through parenting. And so before I go on, some of you in this room are saying, okay, we're parents, this sounds good, I want to hear this. But let me just put this disclaimer in there. From the time you were born, you have been taking lessons on how to parent. You learn to, to ex embrace and understand affection from the time you were a little child, even in the womb. And whether your mom gave, nurtured you or gave you attention or not affects neurologically, affects you in every way emotionally. So you've been taking lessons on what it means to receive parenting or to be parented. So it's been exemplified to you. Like for me, my father exemplified to me what parenting looked like. Christina, my wife, has exemplified what her parents did the same too. And we all respond to good parenting, whether it is directly from our parents, or we respond to it when it's showed to us by other people who are parent types in our lives, mentors are some of those, and teachers. And so in case some of you here are saying, Savo, I'm not married yet. Why are you talking to me about parenting? Well, I just need to remind you, you're always taking lessons on parenting. And, and it's good. I think I learned a lot about how to be a parent before I became, even was married. So it's a great thing to take these lessons. And in case you're saying, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, aren't you children of God? Aren't you supposed to raise up spiritual children? We're supposed to disciple others and mentor others in Christ. There is an aspect of parenting in, actual, in our lives as Christians. Amen? So, um, so you also are invited into the parenting space. But they say you're married and you don't have kids. It's like one day we will have kids. And some of you may say, I'm not ready for having kids. And you'll continue to put it off and put it off. My wife and I tried that for four years. And then after four years, like, we're getting old. We need to get kids quickly. So it became a necessity. Let's get the kids so we're not growing old with kids, right? We're not, we're not, we're not old parenting our children. Um, but some of you may be in this space where it's like, we've been married for a long time. We just haven't had the ability to have kids. And we understand that. My oldest sister, who led me to the Lord and who discipled me, parented myself and many others in the absence of my parents. So there's so many families today. There's people who are lawyers and doctors who would tell me today, Claire, your sister was my parent. So you don't have to necessarily be a parent married to be able to parent the way the scripture would define parenting. 
So in that sense, then allow me to continue to talk to you about parenting. I have had the privilege. Um, I call it a really high honor to be called Baba. My kids call me Baba. And the US people ask me, what does Baba mean? It means dab. So I wanted to make sure there's a distinction between everybody else and who I am. I still kept wanted to keep my Kenyanness. And so my kids would come back and they'd say, you know, that my kids would have friends say, who's your dad? What's your dad's name? And say, my dad's name is Baba and he's not called dad. Don't you call him daddy? I'm like, no, they call him Baba. It was like, I had to fight to be called Baba in the United States. And Christina is called Mama. And there was a distinct relationship we wanted to make to those names. So for me, it's a high honor to be called Baba, to have the privilege to be a parent of four amazing children. Imani, as Pastor Butchers introduced to you, if you go to the, Imani is the one who is in the middle with the red sweater. Imani is 15, she'll be turning 16, end of this, end of this, end of this year in November. And in the United States at 16, she can drive, she has a driver's permit. So I'm praying intensely, dear Jesus, help me. You remember to pray for us? Um, she's, she's brilliant. What God has taught me through Imani many times is to learn to listen. And he's taught, he taught me that if you listen to your daughter, your daughter learns how to listen to me because you represent God in so many ways. But she's taught me how to listen. Joshua continues to teach me daily about the importance of the posture of my heart, that it matters most to God where my heart is. Severin, Severin is about the details. He's all about the details, and now God is into the details. Asali, she scares me the most. So Asali is the youngest one over there. And Asali, she weeds my gauges. Have you ever had somebody who can put a finger on how you're feeling? And even when you're trying to hide it? Then I think about it when it's one of your own kids who is reading your mail. It's a scary thing. When I come home and I'm trying to be Baba and be really strong, and she says, Baba, how was your day today? Like, it was good. How was this meeting? Like, yeah, it was, it was good. And she said, was it a hard meeting? I'm like, uh, part of me gets paranoid. I'm like, how do you know who told you? Did mama talk to you? And she's like, no, I'm just asking because I can see how you're feeling. Our kids are a blessing. And God gives, us, gives them to us. And they sometimes give us a vantage point into how God looks at us. And so our kids are a huge blessing. For me, they are a huge blessing. But before I go into parenting as the way I want to talk about it, um, I just want to be able to say this. For everything in life, my pastor in the U.S. says, for everything in life, there is a reference point for everything. And including parents. What is a reference point? A reference point is something we use to judge, something we use to understand something else, according to Merriam-Webster. It's also a fixed place that you use to help find your way or to see where other things are a reference point, okay? So everything has a reference point. I think what Jesus mentions, have you ever read this I am statements by Jesus? In the book of John, there's seven of them. The way I look at it, all of those, I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the true vine, and the one that I think I wanted to emphasize maybe just briefly now is, I am the way, the truth. Do you guys know this one? I am the, say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through. What is Jesus giving us? He's giving us a reference point. He is that reference point. 
There is no other reference point in as far as life and truth without him in the conversation. He is the ultimate reference point. He is the place, the fixed place, that we use to help find our way. Jesus is that. So it's the reason that Jesus preached so much about the kingdom of God as a reference point of all things. So it is because it's related to God. It's related to who God is. It's related to how he acts and why he does it. It also is related to who we are and how we're supposed to respond to him. Are we together so far? Good. I like to think about the conversation of the kingdom of God as culture. God was coming to establish a culture. This is the way we live. Culture is something that is shared. Culture is something that is learned. Culture is something that changes, and culture is a response to the environment we live in. And basically, what is happening when Jesus comes and he speaks about the kingdom of God, being the, the son of God and being God himself, who else has the authority to tell us what the culture of heaven looks like except him? He knows better. But there's never a time you talk about the culture of heaven without clashing with other cultures that we live in. So to be people of God and to understand who God is invites you into a space where you're always going to be interacting and clashing with the culture you live in. So that's, I'm married to Christina and we're trying to parent and our cultures are clashing immediately. The American culture, generally speaking, and the Kenyan culture, generally speaking. And we're clashing. And thank goodness that we had the reference point of Jesus to be able to help us navigate all of that. Because it's not a fair conversation. Each one of us thinks our culture is better than the other. Each one of us thinks we have the better idea of parenting than the other. And so it is a good thing to have Jesus as the reference point. There are many references, reference points to parenting as well. Um, my father or mother, like I showed you, they are wonderful parents. And everything I told you about my dad is not the only thing about him. There is so much more. So please take that into consideration. My dad's not a mean man who just likes spanking me. Um, he taught me so much. So you don't just arrive where you are without help. So my father or mother are a great example. Or for some of you, they may be a great example, or they might be a moderate to a bad example of what parenting is. But if we were left only to the reference point of your parents, then you're in trouble. They are a reference point, but they are not the reference point. Your parents are limited. I, as a parent, I know I'm limited. I'm limited to what Joshua would really need, or Imani, or, or Severin, or Sali. I understand I'm limited. But God isn't. Jesus is not. Parents are a reference point. And the best way parents serve as a reference point is only when they point to the reference point. And that is Jesus, God himself, our Father who is in heaven. So, some of the things that I felt like I needed to share today in regard to this was, one, was that I think that the best way we can parent is to mimic. And remember, parenting not only in the space of you being Baba or Mama, but parenting in the space of us being a family, 
and learning to love and lay down your life and considering others better than yourselves or mentoring and helping others grow and succeed. So let's put it all into that space. So how we mimic or imitate God, our Heavenly Father, makes a huge difference, which means our perception of who God is. What comes to mind when you think of God? That's a very important question in Christianity as a whole because you respond to that God. And sometimes even in favor of the God in your head as opposed to the one that is introduced to us in the Bible. Our perception of God, but also our relationship with God is so critical. So if I were having points, I normally, I'm not like Pastor Bucho who has got really well laid out points. I just normally just talk and God works through me, so bear with me, okay? But if I were to have a point, I'd say the first thing I'd like to be able to say about parenting, it is a call to mimic to the best of your behavior, to copy the best of your ability, and with God's help and grace, you for, to, to mimic who your heavenly father is. So if I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be a representative of what it looks like, what my heavenly father looks like, then it, it, it implies something. What does that mean? It implies that I need to know God myself. I have to have a living relationship with God. Knowing God is primal. Knowing God is absolutely necessary. Not just knowing about God, but knowing who God is and being in relationship with him. So in John 15, 4 and 5, one of my favorite scriptures, Jesus talks about he is the vine, we are the branches, his father is the gardener who cuts off every branch that's in him that doesn't bear fruit, and he continues to go on. But in John 15, um, in John 15, it goes on to 15, 4 and 5, it says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch, and who is the branch? We are. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So there's this relationship we're supposed to be in Jesus, him in us, us in him. And then it goes on to says, yes, I am the vine. To say, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Let me just describe that. Jesus says, I am the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Can I just t take us back to the book of Genesis? What happens in the book of Genesis in the beginning? God created God created, and God continued to create six days. Then he created Adam and Eve. He created man, and he put him in the garden. And what did he tell man to do? To tend everything that he'd been given, right? God saw that Adam was lonely, so he gave him a partner, and then he told them to do what? To be fruitful and to multiply, which obviously implies that they were supposed to have children, that you were supposed to be in family, so basically, can we just establish from the beginning family is God's idea, and he planted you into family? It is not a space that is void of who God is, as dysfunctional as, or as perfect as we think it is. Family is God's idea, and God works through family. Thank goodness for that. God wants us to be fruitful, which means we will parent. And fruitful wasn't only in the development of, of, of raising up children, 
Fruitful was in us reflecting who he is everywhere we go. He made us in his image, both male and female, Genesis 1, 26 to 27 tells us. And he made us all so that we can then be fruitful and multiply. And in essence, we become those who reflect who God is everywhere we go. So in the workplace, as part of God's family, people are supposed to look at you and say, oh, that's what God looks like. At home, the same. At church, the same thing continues. The more we know God, the more we're in relationship with him, the more we will be fruitful in doing that. But then he goes on to say something else, which is really, really shocking, but it's also very important for us to pay attention to. For apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. So Savo cannot parent apart from Jesus. None of us can do anything apart from him. It's very sobering. We can't be functional family without Jesus. We can't be fruitful family without Jesus. We cannot raise children without Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing, and there's a full stop period, the end of the statement, which requires us to pay attention to. Parenting really is an invitation into relationship with God in which we know who he is intimately, and then we mimic God in parenting. We mimic God our Father. Isn't that what Jesus was teaching people, his disciples, how to pray? Pray to him like he is God, your Father in heaven. Secondly, it's so important for us to parent, to parent not just because we're parents. Now I have four kids. Oh my goodness, I have four kids. I don't know how many of you have experienced this, but those who are parents, I remember getting our first child. We brought her home in the U.S. At that point, our kid had to stay in the hospital for two days before you were given permission to take them home. It's like I had to sign something like, okay, I guess basically what I was signing is like, I am going to be their dad, and I will take care of them, and they're releasing them with me. And so we put the kid into the car, into the car seat, and we took her home, and we, we put Imani down in the living room. We sat down on the couch, and guess what we did? We cried. We cried. I think we were just overwhelmed. Like, they gave us responsibility of a living human baby. What are we going to do with this thing? Okay, so now suddenly we're parents. And the truth is we had never been parents before. We had never been parents of one child. Then when we had two, I had never been parents of two children. I had never been a parent of a girl and a boy. And then suddenly I was a parent of two boys and one girl. And all of them, and then another one, then another girl, so it's two girls and two boys. And all of them don't read from the same playbook. You can't parent out of the same playbook. Each one of them has their own kind of guide to go with. And you're writing that one as your parent, by the way. It's not given to you. This is how you parent Imani. Because Imani didn't exist. Imani is unique. She's made in the image of God. There's many other people with the same name. But there's not another one that was made like her. And God decided to entrust her to who? To me, of all people. Dear Jesus, do you know what you're doing? This is a question I'd ask. But the more I got to parent, is the more I found out something that I cannot parent out of me being a fully built, well-constructed, very, uh, very, uh, uh, what's the word? 
um, adept, very good parent. I couldn't parent out of that which I actually did not have. I had to parent out of who God was shaping me to be. So none of us arrive in the parenting conversation as a fully constructed parent. You have all the answers. You know what it is. The way God made it to be is that you would parent as you go. You would grow in your parenting. And I think maybe someday we will sit down with our kids and we will think, oh my goodness, all the mistakes we made. I do not know how you made it. But we parent out of our growth. So I have to, be keep, I have to keep on growing. In the U.S., they, said, they, they use this phrase, mailing it in. Mailing it in means that you don't show up. You can put something in the mail, and you don't have to be in person. You can just send a letter. You can send a bill. Like for example, if you were coming to church and you didn't come to church, it's like, at least I'm tithing. I just send it in the mail. I just impress it, but I never show up. In Christianity, in, in parenting, you just don't mail it in. You need to show up regularly. We need to show up in each other's lives as a family. We need to show up. We don't mail it in, and we don't stop doing it. And you don't stop doing it because you feel like, I am, I am inadequate. We all are. And that's the most encouraging thing. We all are inadequate. Isn't that the basis of our Christianity? That without God, we were nothing? And that we were lost without him? We were all sinners? And it continues into every sphere of our lives. We're inadequate. And without God, we can do nothing. So allow me to go on. Maybe I'll rush through this one a little bit. But I am sobered. I am humbled by this reality. In Romans 8, God says he knew his people in advance. And then he chose them. Why? He chose them so that they can become like who? Like his son. God wants you and I to conform into his image of his son. And the, what is sobering for me is that God is focused. God has put his energy into me, into Savo becoming like Jesus. In Ephesians 4, it's going to say, become like Christ in every way. And sometimes I think God is there for me for what I want to help me in my daily routine and the things that I need. And thank goodness he answers all our prayers and he understands all of our needs and he provides for them. But the truth is that God's goal is for you and I to become like his son. And not just in some ways, in every way, including in parenting. There was a, a man that I remember meeting. He was a dad in one of the trips that we came here with some of our students. And I met a parent, and I, I saw his sons. They were, one of his sons was, was, was with us. I was like, your son's an amazing son. I have two kids, and I'm stressing out. So can you help me understand how you did this? How did he grow up to become like this? What is that process you put him through? What is this book that you have? Is there a program that I can like somehow download and into my children and then just just pop out as great kids? You know, some days we wish that they would just be out of the house. Okay, but but so I was telling him this and then he told me something. He told me he told me this and the reason why I asked him that is because at some point I was able to understand why some people check out of parenting. Because it is overwhelming. There is a lot that you don't know. And it is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. And so I was understanding that, and I was struggling. And I remember asking him, how did you do this? And he gave me this answer. He said, my goal was to point them to Jesus. 
they, I have to parent in such a way that I am growing and that they can see that I'm growing. I am not perfect, but they know that the person who helps me in my less than perfection is Jesus. And so I had to live in such a way that my kids would know where the answer comes from, and it is not me. And he had to learn to say sorry for the things he had done wrong. Because you know what the truth is? The kids have an author and a perfecter of their faith, and it is not a dad or a mom. His name is Jesus. And that was so freeing. How many times are we in community and in family that we want to show up as being the best that we can be? And that is not a bad thing. But all of us know Jesus makes up more than the difference as we rely on him. So that's what I was told. Be willing to say you're sorry. Be willing to be humble. And your kids will love you for it because you will be giving them skills and you will be teaching them how to live life as imperfect people. But let me spend a few minutes here just defining this relationship. Again, Romans eleven thirty six. It says something very important um, that I think it's up here. For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. All things come from who? From him. And all things go through who? And all things are back to him, including our children. Your children are not yours. You're a steward of children. They have your DNA in part. They, my kids have the last name Luali, and my, my, my daughters may decide to keep it or not. They may hyphenate, and I'll be really proud of them. But even if they don't, but the reality is my children don't belong to me. People in your family don't necessarily belong to you. They belong to God. You get to be stewards. Our children have, for parents in this room, your children have a provider, and it is not you. And it's very humbling and sobering. Your children have a protector, and dads, it is not you. You play a role, but you can't do it. You cannot protect them. Thank goodness God is up to the task. Our children have a healer, and you're not it, and neither is your doctor. Nothing wrong with medicine, by the way. Just need to be able to say that. Our children also have an identity, and it doesn't only come from you. Who they are is not the sum total of who I am. Thank goodness, because I'm imperfect. Their purpose also doesn't come from us. I know what I want my kids to be. I know what my father wants my children to be, and we have some disagreement about that. My kids, were, we asked them a question. As I'm closing, I asked them a question. I said, hey, uh, you can be anything you want to be. What would that be? And so my, 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 oldest, my oldest son said, I want to be a marine biologist. I'm, like, I'm applauding. That's a good kid. Yes? Then my other one said, you know what? I want to be a rocket scientist. Yes, life is going to be good for my kids. I'm going to be such a proud father, right? Then my youngest one, she says, you know, I don't know. I think, I think I want to teach, but then I think I want to be a doctor. And I was like, those are not bad. Those are all really good. 
you know. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, you should aim for something higher. Then my oldest one, Imani, says, you know, there's this place, it's like Naivas or Carrier Fords in the U.S., it's Walmart. So you guys know Walmart. And so she says, there are people at Walmart that when you go in, they give you your cart and they greet you. And normally, they're older people. And so she says, when I grow up, I want to be a Walmart greeter. <laughs> and I said, you can do anything except that. <laughs> and then I started to think about it. It's like, seriously, I mean, do we raise our kids so that they can be who God wants them to be or who we want them to be? And so I started to journey through that thing. And more and more, the more I talk to God about my children, I come to find out that my heavenly father has specific plans and purposes for them. And my job as a dad is to pray for them concerning their identity and their purpose in God. Not my ideal of the way I want them to grow. So I'm supposed to give them to God. Basically, I'm supposed to devote them to God. Which means I'm supposed to dedicate them to God, which means I'm exclusively devoting them to God and to his plan and his purpose for their lives. Exclusive means there is no other relationship that will determine my kids' future and purpose and identity. It is God alone. I am a steward. They belong to him. That is a hard space to journey through, but it is a necessary one. And as I close, there was a time I would be coming home, and I just wanted to be, I felt like the Lord asked me to share this with you. I'd come home every day, and I'd sit in my chair. These are things I borrowed from my own father. I'd sit in my chair, and it was called the Baba chair. In our home, we had Daddy had his own chair, and it was that one. And nobody sat on Daddy's chair. Did you guys grow up like that, or was it just me? So there was a Baba chair. And so I have a Baba chair, and it, it, is, it is a brown leather chair, and I like that chair. And it reclines, so I sit in it. And Christina's father actually came home once. And I was in the kitchen, and I could hear the kids. And he sat in my chair. And the kids were like, no, you can't sit there. That's Baba's chair. And so the man got up, and he went and sat somewhere else. It was so embarrassing. But inside, I was like, yes, my kids are great. They know that this is Baba's chair. And so when I come from work, I sit in Baba's chair. And normally, one of my children, Joshua, comes up to me. And it's just the most tender, wonderful thing that happens. And he, he says, Baba, do you want, to, you want me to get you some sandals? And take your shoes off. I'm like, oh, that'd be great, son. And so he goes, he gets me sandal, my sandals, takes my shoes, and I put on my sandals. He's like, Baba, do you want a cup of water? I did not teach him this. Do you want a cup of water? I said, yes, son. And so he goes. And in the process of these things happening, one day I remember sitting there, and the Lord began to speak to me through an image. And it was Joshua going to the kitchen to get me water. I'm sitting in the Baba chair. And as I'm sitting in the Baba chair, guess what happens? Joshua is getting me water. He comes back from the kitchen, and he trips. The glass goes up in the air, and it splashes, and it breaks. And the question God asked me is like, what will you do to your son when that happens? And I know growing up, it would have been an interesting conversation with my dad because I broke so many things. I probably would get in trouble for doing that. But God was working and deconstructing my view of who he is the ultimate father. And so he, I told him, Lord, what I would do is I would get off my seat and I'd go clean that up with my son and we'd wipe it out and make sure he's, he didn't step on any glass. And then I'd ask him if it's okay. And I would remind him, son, it's okay. 
considering how many glasses I've broken in my life, you're good. This is your first one. There's, you've probably got maybe 50 more to break in life or many more than that. This is okay. It's only a glass. We can replace it. And then I would go back and sit down. And you know the thing is that God continued to press in on me. And really what he wanted me also to say was like, send him back to get another glass of water. Why? Because your son needs to know what he did was loving and you appreciated it so much. It ministered so much to you. Send him back for it and build his confidence. And so I'd send him back to get the water. And if he broke it again, I'd get off Baba chair and help him do it again until he learns how to do it. Because what he was doing, the posture of his heart was good. Parenting is not easy. And many times I think we consider failure some things that are really not failure. You're trying your very best. And what you're considering is a broken glass and that you need, you're expecting, you're expecting harsh response to that. God says, I'll get off my seat and I'll come and help you clean it up. And because you're doing something that is very special and, and, and I love your heart in, do, in parenting, I'm going to ask you to go do it again. So how many of you as parents have been at a place to where you, your kid does something and you yell at them? And you're like, oh, Jesus, today I failed. I've gone to bed many times just feeling like I've destroyed my kid's life, their psyche, their psychological. Oh, my goodness, they're going to need to see counselors for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and sometimes it's true because in anger I do things and I'm confessing. I'm limited. God is not. And in the bed, God continues to remind me, who do you think I am? What is your view of me? And do you think I'd be able to tell you, get back up, go get that glass of water again, and let's do it again tomorrow? That is the God you serve. So to pray, I wanted to pray for parents. Because sometimes I think you have labeled some things as failure, what God doesn't label as failure. God says, I see the posture of your heart, and I want you to get up. I'll clean this with you, but I want you to do it all over again, and I will be with you as you do that. Which of you, Jesus would say, would give your son a stone instead of bread, scorpion instead of fish? Even though you're wicked, you wouldn't do that, basically, the paraphrase. But your heavenly Father, who is even not wicked at all, how much more will he do for you? Sometimes, parents, we forget that we have a heavenly Father who is there to help us. And that's where I wanted to dedicate my prayer today as I close. So if you please would stand with me. I appreciate how you've been listening very, very closely. But if there are parents in this room and you're saying, Savo, it's true. It's, 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 it's not easy. And there are times I have, I have labeled things as failure, that which God doesn't. God looks at it in the progression of what he is doing. And I need to see myself the way God does. And I need to start celebrating God's celebration of the posture of my heart as a parent. And if there's anybody in this room that would say, Savo, that's me. Could you please pray with me? I'd love to pray with you. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you, with no shame. Savo, so, oh, that's me. I'm a parent, and it's not easy. Or maybe I'm mentoring people, 
and I fail regularly. Or maybe I'm being part of a family and it is just, I'm not doing the best that I can. But I want to see God the way God helped you see your son. So Jesus today, we remember that you are our father who is in heaven. That you are the one who parents in such greater ways than we can. And today we surrender to you those things that we have labeled failure. Or those things that we call God that we are just not up, up to the task. And we invite you through your Holy Spirit and your truth of your word to help us to be strong, to help us to remember, God, you are with us. Ultimately, you are our reference point, which means even the things that we fall short on in the parenting space, you are that reference point, and you help us through that. So Jesus, I submit to you everything that my friends are laying up to you. You know their hearts. I commend them into your grace. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, would you help them to parent? Would you help them to see you as a parent? And would you help them to embrace what it means to parent? Would you give them the love that they need daily? Would you grant them the strength? And would you be glorified as they continue to come to you? Our Father who is in heaven. Now hallow your name in our families and through our parenting. Your kingdom come. Your will fully be done in our families as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.